Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 224. I'm Tom Maluli, and I'm here with Brendan Maluli, and we cover topics that come up in conversations with our clients, peers in our industry, and topics of the day that we think are worth covering for our listeners. So before we turn the mic on, Brendan and I were talking about an article that was published recently in the Wall Street Journal by Ann Turgeson, pretty good article based on 401k accounts and what's happening with them. Yeah, so uh, she was looking at 401ks, uh, auto enrollment has become more and more prevalent over the last decade or so, let's call it. While that has definitely uh, begun to solve the issue of how to get people to save for retirement, it's funny the answer is that you more or less like force them into it. How do they keep the money in these 401ks now, now that it has arrived? People are auto enrolled, but they also shared some stats about people taking out loans uh, and, and how those who are auto-enrolled are actually, you know, taking out loans at a higher rate than uh, those who aren't, which I think is kind of intuitive. It's like, well, the money's there for those people, and it's probably just not there for the other people. But Sure, they have money in the account. Yeah. And so some people may say, hey, I don't want to enroll in the 401k because I'm saving money for a house. Mm-hmm. Or I'm still paying down student loans. Maybe I'm in my 20s and I'm not ready to start doing that. Good reason. I mean, we've done several podcasts and videos about and blog posts about this very reason that just because your company offers a 401k doesn't necessarily mean it's the smart move for your situation. It's not really the smart move for everybody. It, two different points I saw in the article mentioned that participation rates are now above 80%, uh, 85%. Uh, compared with 63% for those plans that don't have the auto-enrollment. And then they also mentioned that the auto-enrollment for new plans has gone from 62% for new plans to 98%. Most, this, is be, this is becoming commonplace then to have the auto-enrollment. Correct. Right? So and, new plans that are being rolled out are, this is a feature, not a bug, uh, in the sense that, hey, we're going to get everybody enrolled in this thing, whether you like it or not. I think the more, uh, it, it probably helps having stats like the first one you referenced that show participation rates. And, and I think when when a company offers a plan, they are interested in people making use of it. They, they want people to use their plan because that's, not every business offers these. I mean, I think, I'm not sure if there was a stat in there, uh, but not many businesses offer 401ks. Like if you include all companies, like sure, if you work at a big company, you probably probably have a 401k and you probably have auto enrollment on it too. But if you work at a small business, uh, I don't think the odds are quite as good that you'll have a 401k and a good one that does stuff like auto enrollment and has cheap options. Many times these auto enrollments are putting you into something like a target date fund uh, to start, which I think for most people is keeping them out of harm's way in terms of taking the investment decision off of their plate, uh, not something that most people are interested in or qualified to do. So another feature, or I I should say another point in this article about money coming out of the plans that have auto-enrollment, the numbers themselves are kind of flawed because when people leave a job and they, they go to another job or they just leave, one of the things that they cited in the article was after leaving a company, just over 60% of 401k participants that have balances below $10,000, they just liquidate their account. They'll pay the taxes, they'll take a penalty. 
you know, most folks, when they say they've got $10,000 and they just take it instead of rolling it over, I mean, you're really going to, depending on your tax bracket, you, you could want that 10000 could become 5800 pretty quick. It doesn't really make sense, but some people get laid off. They need the money. They've got to live on it. It's a tough situation. So I think auto enrollment is good. Uh, this is a little bit self-serving for me. I think in a perfect world, you would get guidance. Some companies do this. You get guidance from a CFP or an advisor in some capacity that, that your business brings in, in addition to just offering a plan with auto enrollment, because this decision is nuanced. It's like, okay, so you have a 401k, you're going to be auto enrolled. So you should be educated about what that means, because I think a lot of people probably don't. And then you should really be looking at your cash flows and deciding if this is really the best place for your money. And you want to consider other factors, like are you foregoing a company match? Like, let's take all of the stuff into account to help you make an educated decision. Because I think when people do it that way, sure, there are emergencies and extenuating circumstances, but I think the odds of the money remaining in the plan are even better if you're considering all these things. But auto-enrollment's auto the easy one because that's like an on-off setting for the plan. Uh, sitting down with each person who participates in the plan is an expensive proposition and not not businesses can't afford to do that kind of stuff for all of their employees most of the time. You know, I'm just thinking as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about something that we discussed on a podcast and I think we've actually tweeted this out in the past as well. But if companies are going to go to the expense of having a 401k plan, they're not cheap, especially if you've got a big organization. Why can't they consider having uh, or giving access for their employees to a CFP before they even enroll as part of their employee benefit package and just say, look, we don't want you to be worried about money when you're here working. We want you to work. We want you to sit down with this counselor, with a CFP, and he'll go through some numbers with you. If you really want to dig down and, and get into specifics, you can. If you want to just go through the basic finance math, you can do that too. But at least make it available. Because I think that a lot of people sign a lot of forms the day they sign up at a new job and they don't even understand what they're, you know, what they're getting involved in. And then they get their first paycheck and they're like, wow, what, you know, what happened to my pay? Where, where did it all go? Uh, so I think that's something that companies ought to consider. You know, when you're putting together your benefit package, maybe having access to a CFP for your employees would be a, a good way to go. Mm -hmm. And it would help from people getting into this mess where they're getting auto-enrolled and then they're taking loans right away from their account. Remember, when we're talking about taking loans from your account, usually people are taking the money out because they need it. They're not taking it out for any other reason. They need it to pay off some other loan or they need it to do something else. Cash flow management, really important. And so I think that it would be in everyone's best interest to spend some time. I know this sounds self-serving because it's we do financial planning, but I, I think it would be in people's best interest to sit down with a planner before they actually decide to enroll or at what level they're going to enroll. You know, it used to be a criteria. They used to, 401k plans used to have eligibility rules. When I went to Dean Witter, I could not join the company 401k plan. I had to be there for a year. You know, in hindsight, I was like, wow, I'm going to be out of this great plan for a year. I thought that was, I, I couldn't wait to, to get involved. 
and start doing it. I don't understand why companies, maybe it's naive of me to think this way, but why can't companies say, hey, if you're over 50 years old and you're starting with us today, you can go straight into the 401k plan because saving for retirement is really important right now. But if you're under 50 years old, we're going to have a portion of your paycheck get steered into some post-tax savings plan. And then once you've accumulated, I don't know, $10,000 or some percentage of your gross salary, and we know that you have this, then you can enroll in the 401k plan. It sounds it sounds good. It's kind of big brothery though, and I really doubt that people would be up for that. I mean, auto enrollment is like stepping towards that kind yeah, of thing where somebody's telling you what to do. Well, here's and the, I don't think that an employers really yeah. can tell they can't tell people what to do with their money. I understand that it does seem big brotherish and you look back 50, 60, 90 years ago when people worked and they there was no 401k plan, it was a pension that you got. I mean, we just did video uh, 102 on our website that talked about all these people who save, 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 save in a 401k plan. If you're over 55 years old, I mean, some people now have what works out to be an average income projection of $600 a month from their 401k plan. If that 401k plan were a pension, that pension manager would be fired and then he would be sued for those kind of terrible returns. Is it the returns though, or is it them not putting enough money into it? Because that's also the problem you see with pensions. They're underfunded and that's more the issue than the investment returns. I don't really think that that is what people have flubbed over the years. They probably just didn't send in enough money to replace their paycheck in retirement because that's more what we're talking about here. True. So people aren't saving enough. I mean, we've even gone through the math that if you're saving the max, if you're saving $18,000 a year, 10 years ago, it was $9,000. I mean, the numbers 15 years ago were $7,000. That was the max you could put into your plan. And it's been upgraded over the last several years. But even if you're maxing out your retirement plan contribution to your 401k, your deferred comp, your 403b, whatever it is, that's not going to be enough. No. I mean- an interesting point, though, uh, that I heard recently was, I forget, they had, like, percentages, but, like, we, we, like, hearken back to these days when, like, quote, unquote, everybody had a pension, and that wasn't even the case back in, like, the 40s, the 50s, no. the 60s. It was still only, like, half of people, right. so there was no, we're remembering a time that doesn't exist, is what I'm saying. We're remembering this as if, like, the good old days where, like, everybody in the entire country had a pension and like no one had to worry about anything. And that isn't the case. I actually think this was, this might've been Michael Batnick's piece that he did on, he talked about like this crisis with like a lot of the pension systems and what's going on. He touched on a number of different things in it, but I think that was one of them. And maybe that's where I saw it. But I thought that that was an interesting point because we have that tendency to do the thing where we look back and say like, everything was great back then, but then Okay, so like let's rewind the clock. When you were living through it, was it that great? Because it, it never feels that great when you're living in it. I think the first time I ever heard this was back in the 80s at a congressional hearing. Someone said, I misremembered the event or I misremembered the facts. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first time I ever heard that phrase, misremember, but you're right. It's just a, it's a good point to keep in mind because we, if we can remember the past with such rose-colored glasses on when it wasn't the case— then it's a good reminder to just be happier in the present because you're probably not going to remember the mundane stuff that's weighing you down anyway. Hmm. You're going to remember this positively, even though we're here 
nitpicking over these things every day that make us unhappy. I mean, if we're remembering, if we're misremembering that like 50% of the country didn't have pensions. What were they doing? The 401k right. didn't even ex- it, like exist. Where, where yeah. was their money? So they just had no pension and nothing else? Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I totally agree that there are flaws in the system and different different ways that you could approach this but i'm not sure i'm not sure that it's just as simple as like everybody used to have a pension and now they don't and they don't save enough and that's the problem uh or the investment returns or you know it's like a confluence of these these different things that we're discussing Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management all opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Along the same lines, we talk about how you know people are bailing out of 401k plans. They're not saving money long-term for retirement. It's going to sound like I'm going way out on a tangent here. And I am. I was watching the Mets and the Yankees play the other night on ESPN, that makeup game. The game was on ESPN, and they had um, Keith Olbermann was one of the announcers. I mean, he hasn't done a game in 20 years. Hmm. They started talking in the booth about, who's your favorite Met? Who's your favorite all-time Met? Honestly, the guy, the, Eduardo Perez was in there, Tim Kirkjian, and uh, Olbermann. None of them could—I mean, they could all say Tom Seaver. Not, not a single one of them, by the way, mentioned Jerry Kuzman. Um, they mentioned Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Mike Piazza. They mentioned some of these names. But they there was long periods of silence where they couldn't come up with well-known players who played for the Mets for a long time. Then they said, okay, well, who's your favorite Yankee? Holy moly. I mean, they rattled off all these names you could think of. Someone, I think it was Tim Kirkchin, raised the point that the reason why the Mets don't have one of these all-time favorite players other than Seaver is that no one stayed in the franchise long enough to build up that kind of rapport. I mean, I guess David Wright would be the most current example, but he hasn't even played in two years. Someone else then pointed out, well, the Yankees played 70 years before free agency happened. And most of the Met, the time that the Mets have been around— Free agency started in 1977. So for the first 15 years, they didn't have free agency. They had players who stayed for a long period of time, Seaver being one of them, okay? So my point is that more and more people are moving around, and they're not putting down roots in their in their work, and so they're not there long enough to build up anything substantial in their 401k. So when they leave, they say— I've got $2,000. I'm just going to I'm, I'm just, just going to take, take the money. It. Right. So here's not to go down another rabbit hole, but like why why do we attach to, if we want people to save for retirement and this is an issue that people change jobs and careers even more often than they used to, then why is this attached to their employment as if employment and retirement are like mutually exclusive? Like people need to retire when they get old because they're incapable of working anymore regardless of whether they worked or not. Right. So to have some kind of a savings plan where maybe 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 it would just be for younger people with small balances who get forced out of their plans. So oftentimes if you have $100,000 or $200,000 or a more significant sum, they'll let you keep the money in the old employer plan in a right. lot of cases. But if you have under 10,000, 
they're going to get on your case after a year or so and tell you you have to take the money. Right. At which point, literally taking the money becomes one of two decisions you have. Roll it over, take the money. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe a lot of people feel forced into that. Why can't there be some kind of like universal savings account that people can use for situations just like this where it makes a rollover easy? Yeah. Or maybe retirement plans shouldn't be through work. Yeah. And they should have like the same same amount so you're able, able to put into them and everybody just has like a TSP kind of thing available to them. Believe it or not, this was the original discussion around the creation of the IRA mm -hmm. in 1981 was you don't need to have a retirement plan at work. You should be able to save your own money. And so you could start with putting $2,000 away and it was going to, the amount was going to grow and into the future <laughs> and it never did. Right. So like the idea being like, IRAs are cool and everything, but maybe they could revamp them, make them easier to get, and make this process where people are leaving a job even simpler. Because, I mean, for the average person, they're like, what's an IRA and like, how do I open one? And and most, like, they're going to end up going to like their local bank or something and getting like totally hosed if they do that. So I'd rather see them take the money in some cases than whatever they're going to get by doing that. But yeah. like, to make this process simpler, uh, and also allow people to save more in an account like an IRA. Like if it were going to replace the 401k, uh, it would have to have like way higher contribution limits. Because yeah. if we have a problem at 18.5 a year, that's that's not enough to support some people's lifestyles in retirement. Like 5,500 is well, not I mean, even making just, a let's dent. Let's just do this on the back of an envelope. Let's just say that the, the threshold is to round the numbers $20,000 a year and you work for 30 years, that's $600,000 if you're able to max away, max amount, maximize the contribution, that's 600 grand with some compounding, I don't know. I mean, there was a huge debate on Twitter about having a million dollars in a 401k account. It seems like that's a number people can't reach, but is that going to be enough in retirement? For some people, yeah. For other people, not even close. Yeah, it's it's geographically dependent and lifestyle dependent uh those kind of feed together right cost more to live in certain places but that doesn't seem unreasonable to me to just detach why why is it affiliated with the job like you're really kicking people in the nuts when they lose their job they lose their health care they lose their retirement savings like the vehicle that they can do it in and they lose their income those are three pretty big factors in somebody's life and in, in terms of being comfortable and and feeling like they're providing for their family. So to attach all of them to the employment, I'm not sure that that is really the smartest way to handle it. I'm, and I'm not saying I have you know, some better solution ready-made to go right now. I, I'm not sure either, but it, I don't know. It's worth considering. Why? Why Is it just status quo? These things were created this way, and that's why they are? I mean, I, we want people to have savings in retirement. Then. The original idea behind the 401k was uh, for executives to kind of pad their retirement. As this concept of the 401k began to take legs, it was really looked on as a complement. It's a profit-sharing plan. That's how it came to be. A complement to the pension plan. Mm -hmm. And eventually, employers started saying, well, you know, you can have elective deferrals too, like from your own money. This wasn't just like the because the company could stick money in there for you too, or right. company stock or something, right? right. I mean, is that yep. where we came from? Yep. And so then it became, well, you know, now we're just going to push the responsibility for funding your own retirement on the employees. Mm -hmm. And if we make a match in a good year, well, lucky you. 
I know we've stressed this in other videos and other podcasts, but even maxing out your retirement plan is not going to be enough. Uh, I you think have to look in, in terms of percentage of income, though, right? Like it, it could be enough for somebody if you make $50,000 a year and, and let's just yeah, make it Brendan, easy. You're putting $20,000 I mean, a year and the, you're not going to do that. Yeah, the people who are making 50000 are not going to be able to put $20,000 into, right, into so a retirement account. You should save a healthy percentage of your paycheck and not just take for granted that eighteen five or whatever the number may be in the future is enough. Like I, I agree with your point that it may not be it may be enough for some people. It may not be enough for other people. Yeah. I think it's unreasonable to expect people to save more than a third of their income. I mean yeah. geez, how, how are you doing basis. that and how are you paying all your other bills? Yeah. Okay, so uh last question before we wrap up. We mentioned him uh, a few moments ago, Michael Batnick, friend of the show. Is he gonna get involved in that fantasy football league at work? <laughs> I don't. I don't think that was so. one of the one of the better videos that they put out. That video was funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. No, I, I want to see who wins their league. That'll be interesting. Yeah, remains to be seen. Yeah. So, thanks for tuning in to episode two twenty four. We will catch you on the next one. <laughs>